Hello and welcome into Brewcast for Amazing Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network here with you on Monday night, November 21st, as we head into Tuesday, November 22nd. It's the game. That's all that needs to be said. Luke Giardi along with Trevor Woods. We're going to be talking a lot about it on this week's show. Number two versus number three and a chip to, trip to Indianapolis on the line. Trevor Woods, what's happening, my man? How are we doing tonight? Oh, you know, I'm just, I, for one, I can't wait for Thanksgiving. And I can't wait to head to Columbus the day after for the game. So it's going to be one hell of a week, busy week, fun week, uh, all of the above. Man, it is going to be absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, it's always bittersweet when we get to this week, though, right, Trevor? Because, man, looking forward to a great game, obviously. Like I said, two un- unbeatens, 11-0, 11-0. It's the game. It's Michigan-Ohio State. There's nothing like it in sports. But with this week comes the realization that the regular season's over after this, man, and another college football season has come and gone. Yeah, well, last year... Maybe we can get used to last year, right? We'll see what happens on Saturday. But then, hey, there was a game the week after. Michigan kicked ass and beat Iowa 42-3 in the Big Ten Championship game. And, hey, there's actually a meaningful bowl game the Wolverines get to play in a few weeks on New Year's Eve. So, hopefully, past is prologue. And, yeah. You know, the regular season ending always sucks. It is bittersweet. It comes and goes so fast. I spent eight Saturdays in Ann Arbor in the press box. Such a joyous occasion going from sweltering heat to a blistering cold in the course of a couple months. You see these faces. You won't see them again for a while. But me, Trevor Woods, sometimes I'm an optimist, and uh, I would be looking forward to a trip to Indy and a trip to Phoenix or Atlanta for a college football playoff. Yeah, we're, we're hoping that's the case for sure. Just hard to believe how, how quickly, you know, we wait for it all year, and here we are again at the uh, final regular season week. But Michigan has made it unscathed. You know, that was, uh, that was a prediction of a lot of people that you saw here coming into the season that Michigan had a really good chance of being 11-0 and going into Columbus and the Buckeyes being the same way. And here we are. It, it came to fruition, but... Uh, you know, a lot of games Michigan won, you know, without a whole lot of stress. That was not the case on Saturday. Now, Trevor, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, watch some extended highlights and things like that, but that's, it's really hard to, to catch the ebbs and flows of the game, you know, unless you're watching it in its entirety. So I'm going to let you kind of break it down and tell me exactly what happened Saturday with Michigan surviving on the Jake Moody field goal to win 1917 over the Illini. Well, as somebody who was there, Luke, and, you know, a lot of people on television could have watched all four quarters and it still wouldn't have told them the whole story on TV. It looked like a beautiful blue sky day in Ann Arbor, Michigan at the big house, but it was anything but beautiful. Yeah, the sky might have been blue, but the winds were blistering. They were swirling around, absolutely brutal conditions, a wind chill of around nine degrees. So last year, a lot was made of the snow flurries that happened at the end of the Ohio State-Michigan game at the big house. But that was like a walk in the park compared to the weather and the conditions these players had to deal with on Saturday. So my point is, is before the game, I sent out a tweet and I said that the manhood of Michigan is going to be uh, tested from a mental 
and physical standpoint. And it sure was against a very tough Illinois defense, a top five unit that they said, hey, it's windy today. Blake Corum ends up getting hurt in the second quarter. So they started stacking the box all up blitzes, knowing that it's really windy against a 19-year-old quarterback. And the good news is for the Wolverines, ultimately McCarthy and Michigan's offense, they did just enough in the fourth quarter, trailing 17 to 10 to have three drives that netted three field goals. And obviously Jake Moody is a legend, converted four field goals on today to keep Michigan's undefeated season alive. But it was an ugly game. It was a gritty game. And it was a physical game. The Illinois defense came to play. A lot of Michigan players going to be more battered and bruised than they already were heading into this one, heading out of the game. Uh, really good old school smash mouth football type of day. So could there be some complaints that the game was so close and things of the nature? Sure. But sometimes that's football. It's hard to win each week. And now it is on to Ohio state. Yeah, it is, man. And you know what? At the end of the day, sometimes a game like that is going to happen in football and, you know, coming out on the winning side of it is a whole lot better than coming out of the, on the losing side of it. And we've seen it happen in the past that sometimes you just kind of lose one of those games. You know, we saw Alabama, uh, last year, I think to, to Texas A&M, you know, just, just sometimes just, you lose some weird games at the end of the day, Ohio state's no stranger to it, uh, losing games to, to Purdue in, you know, into in, unranked Purdue and, uh, what uh, I'm missing one, uh, Iowa, a couple years back, you know, under Urban Meyer. Like, it happens, and Michigan was able to come out of that one unscathed, and you know, as much as Michigan didn't look dominant in that game, they didn't look like necessarily a top-five team. We know it's the whole body of work, and that was an Illinois team that was reeling a little bit and probably had something to prove, and we talked about it on last week's show. That defense is still no joke, man. Uh, I was a little surprised with Illinois' success on moving the football on Michigan, just taking a look at some of the stats and things like that. But that defense is no joke. Oh, the defense is incredible. But actually, I want to talk about the Illinois offense, which Tommy DeVito heading into the game, 15 touchdowns, only three interceptions. DeVito was pretty darn efficient on the day. And then Chase Brown, uh, leading rusher heading into Saturday. Well, Brown looked pretty damn good. For a moment there, it looked like, oh, no, is he on the verge of having a Kenneth Walker the third type performance that we saw Michigan State have last season? Walker had five touchdowns. Michigan lost the game 37-33. to 33. So there were moments in the game that second half when the game was in doubt and a stout, stellar running back looked like he might have his way with the Michigan defense. So Michigan, in all their defense, they gave up 17 points on the day, but they gave up zero in the fourth quarter. So still an elite performance, in my opinion. If you only allow 17 points to any team, you should win the damn game every time. So the offense did just enough to get them the victory, obviously, with Jake Moody's help. But you look at teams like Tennessee, Luke, who got yep. absolutely steamrolled their butts kicked for the second loss of the season against South Carolina, lost 63 to 38. You look at a team like Alabama, who lost to Tennessee, and they gave up what I believe was 49 points in that one. So here's really my point is sometimes the ugly way is the better way. And 
if you can win a game 19 to 17, well, you can take that maybe more than taking a victory where you won 49 to 48, because guess what? Everybody a few weeks ago was singing the praises of the volunteers when they beat Bama, right? But if your defense is that vulnerable, you're not going to win a championship or you're not going to go far in the college football playoff. We've seen it consistently with teams like Oklahoma and so on and so forth. So I, I find this game to be oddly encouraging, especially, like I said, factoring how damn cold it was and how windy it was. And actually Moody made a joke. uh, It was a joke in truth. Actually, I don't even know if it was a joke, but it did receive a chuckle. He said that is, this isn't like the SEC as far as kicking field goals. They, SEC, they don't have to deal with these cold and windy conditions. So the Big Ten brand of football is different by default due to even the weather in late November and early December. So you know what, man? I love it. It was a fun day on Saturday, maybe a cardiac arrest type of day, but uh, we survived as fans, as journalists, as players and coaches. And now we get to bolster our numbers to all our listeners this week because Michigan's undefeated, facing an undefeated Ohio State. So I'm just absolutely excited to talk football, as you can tell. Well, uh, Trevor, I think, you know, the the number one question now coming out of that Illinois game going into this week is what is the health of Blake Corum, right? Because, I mean, he was – he was the guy that was doing – he had some incredible runs uh, against a really tough Illinois, you know, uh, defense. And once he went out, just things just weren't the same for that offense. You know, Michigan was going in for another score when he got hurt, just lost the football on the on the turf there, got his knee banged. We don't know what the extent of that injury is. Uh, Jim Harbaugh said no structural damage, so that's good. Uh, I would imagine Blake Corum's going to give it a go, you know, if, if he can on Saturday. But, you know, what percentage of health is he going to be at? What percentage Blake Corum? are we going to see that ultimately is the factor because we saw uh quite a bit especially without donovan edwards we still don't know his status going into the game as well along with luke shoemaker or really mike morris a lot of injury questions for michigan but first and foremost i think blake corm is the top of the list of he makes the biggest impact on this game coming up on saturday oh he does he had 17 carries in the first half for 103 yards the injury look absolutely devastating at the time. Anytime you see a player down on the ground, grabbing their knee right away, highly concerning to say the least. Corm was able to walk off the field into the tunnel under his own power. He did return to the game in the third quarter for one carry for five yards, and that was it for the day. And they relied on guys like C.J. Stokes and Isaiah Gash to step up as running backs and pass catchers. For Gash in particular, he had three receptions for 24 yards, a very crucial fourth and three catch on Michigan's final drive to extend things. However, yeah, I mean, Corum being out would definitely be very bad. Heisman candidate, perhaps. Heisman front runner. he and C.J. Stroud, you could say, are neck and neck. If Corum has an epic performance on Saturday, if he's indeed able to go, you'd expect him to get the Heisman. Conversely, if Stroud and Ohio State are able to pull it out, you can expect Stroud to get the Heisman, but Heisman races aside. Yeah. Would love to see Coram suit up. He was at delivering turkeys to the community yesterday in very cold conditions, walking around. He said, he's good. I'll be good. I think that was his quote. I'll be good. So we'll see if that proves to be true, but yeah, Luke, 
quorum first and foremost need him to be suited up Saturday and as healthy as possible but Donovan Edwards that's a big factor too would be great to see him back as we've talked about before he's perhaps Michigan's best pass catcher and he's just a running back but then Schoonmaker Colson Loveland freshman tight end he's been stepping up but Michigan's offense will look a lot more dangerous, especially on them shallow crossers with both Loveland and Schoonmaker ready to go. And, of course, Mike Morris, who leads the Wolverines in sacks. So, yes, there's all these different injuries, and there's two ways to look at it. Did Michigan believe that they could hold all these guys out, Corm included, who did get cleared? That's important. He did yes. get cleared to yes. come back in the game. And, but – he obviously must have had a grimace or something on his face. They shut it down. And, well, guess what? Jim Harbaugh, the decisions, I guess you could say, the executive decisions they made to keep these guys healthy, uh, not push things, well, it paid off. Just barely, almost backfired, you could say, one by two points with nine seconds to go. But they got the victory. These guys who you could say were on the fence of playing, on Saturday, well, they're going to be a little more healthy because they didn't play against the fighting the line eye. So nobody knows. That's how it goes for most teams in college football when it comes to injury reports. But certainly with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, there's going to be no updates of any kind going into this game. But all you can do is hope for the pet, hope for the best and prepare for the worst because either can happen and it's got to be next man up. Yeah. I mean, and next man, Next man up doesn't always mean as good as the guy who went down, but that's just the way it's got to be. And, and it's not like Michigan is, is the only one in the boat here. We we know that Ohio State's been dealing with injuries to great players all year as well. Travion Henderson, uh, Mayan Williams, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. A lot of those guys have missed a, a, entire games this year. We don't know what their status is for Saturday. So there's a lot up in the air, and that's what happens, you know, through 12 weeks of, of college football as we head into week 13. Is it, It's a physical game. It's a long, grueling season, and guys are going to be banged up, but you're hoping to be uh, as healthy as possible, and you want to see the best players out there. But for Michigan, there's no question the offense completely changes with without Blake Corum that we, we saw that already and maybe it doesn't change as much if you don't have Corum but you have Donovan Edwards but without both of those guys what Michigan wants to do all of a sudden that part of it running the football becomes a little more limited without those two guys <laughs> this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. we all carry around different stressors in life whether they be big small or anywhere in between and when we keep those bottled up it can start to affect us in a negative way Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. I do. The only caveat I would say, and once again, I'm going to talk about the wind on Saturday, 
is it allowed Illinois to play so many guys in the box, knowing the passing game was going to be a little more neutralized, a little mediocre or inefficient by default because of it. And they started teeing off to where it was very hard for C.J. Stokes to consistently get going. He had a couple good runs early on, Stokes did. He had a long of 17. And the week before, against Nebraska, Stokes was looking like he was running with some power. Looked like a Hassan Haskins type in the making, right? Only a freshman. But running with some power and authority. So, um, it would be nice to see if that is indeed the case, whether it's Corum or Edwards out, somebody like Stokes being able to step up in perhaps more favorable weather conditions. It's looking now, what is it, like the mid-40s or something so what, like what that? What I'm seeing right now is uh, Columbus on Saturday at kickoff. Looks like it'll be 46 with temperatures getting into the low 50s through the game. Uh, okay, wind, wind not going to be a factor three to five miles an hour through the entirety of the game. So that is not going to, to be a factor, which obviously helps Michigan, but very clearly uh, also helps uh, an Ohio State team that really likes to throw the ball around as well. Yeah, there's always, you know, two ways to look at things. And, uh, yeah, it's not going to be a Ohio State-Northwestern affair. Yeah. So, so be it. You got you got to, you got to prepare. Yep. You got to prepare to win the game. And uh, I think there's been enough from Michigan's offensive line to, if there is not win, like you're saying, that McCarthy and Michigan's passing offense can keep them honest enough to uh, – make them not be able to stack the box and play cover one all day long or all out blitz them all day long. Like Illinois was. So, uh, Hey, we're going to find out, but, uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it for the time being. However, uh, I just wanted to say Trey Samuel a couple of years ago for Iowa state. Now he was a transfer player who, who came to the Buckeyes, but he busted out big runs out of nowhere late in the season so i'm hopefully quorum and edwards both go but looking at it the other way is hell maybe this cj stokes kid this true freshman could be have the biggest storyline of them all and obviously that's not nothing really anybody's going to write an article about this week heading into the game but it still could be true nonetheless so ohio state michigan it's going to be interesting to see what players emerge as the superstars when things are all said and done. Maybe it'll be the Marvin Harrison Juniors, or maybe it'll end up being the C.J. Stokes and the Colson Lovelands of the world. Yeah, here's another interesting thing as well. You know, obviously there was a lot of talk, Trevor, uh, about the Michigan-Illinois game, the the almost losing it there uh, at the end in the low-scoring affair. But on the flip side of that, like, Ohio State didn't exactly have a cakewalk either coming into this one. They took on Maryland. and Don't let that 43-30 score um, kind of – you know, steer your perception of how that game really went down. Maryland was down three late. Ohio State kicks a field goal. Maryland got the football back with a chance to go and win the football game, to be quite honest with you. And uh, ultimately, you know, I think it was either an interception and a sack fumble for a touchdown at the end there to, to make it look a lot more lopsided than that game was. Maryland went toe-to-toe with Ohio State, actually averaged more yards per play than the Buckeyes did while outgaining them in total yardage as well. So 
It's a little of the flip side here, right? Ohio State's defense, Michigan's offense had been playing great, been playing great, been playing great, didn't play great against Illinois. Ohio State's defense, been playing great, been playing great, been playing great, didn't play great against Maryland. So uh, I, I I don't think that they're, you know, it, maybe if Ohio State goes out and they win by 50 and you're thinking, oh, man, Michigan, you know, maybe not playing their best football going into this game in Ohio State is. That's not really the case. Uh, two close games that both teams had to, to grit it out and grind it out in, in very different ways. Yeah, and so just Maryland, close game, closer than the final score would indicate. Northwestern, 21-7 to was the final score, but that was a very close game for much of it. And Northwestern had a lead for quite a while until Ohio State started to generate some points. Northwestern definitely outmuscled the Buckeyes for over a half. You look at the game Ohio State had against Penn State. Penn State had some chances to win that one in the fourth quarter and between Sean Clifford and some horrible defensive play calling, Ohio State got let off the hook. So it matters being able to pull away at the end and get victories. So got to give credit to Ohio State in these games and against Maryland on the road in College Park. However, there's another way to look at it. And Jim Harbaugh, he said he got home and started getting his notepad out and watching that that game against Maryland. And my point is, is through four quarters, you're going to find more good plays from Ohio State every single game they played this season than bad. But it's within those bad plays. It's within those vulnerabilities on both sides of the ball where you can find a weakness that can be exploited. The same thing happened last year a few games for the Buckeyes. They looked pretty damn good heading in to the game against Michigan, but they showed some vulnerabilities against Nebraska last season. That was a close one. Nebraska could have won that one late in the game. Rutgers, Rutgers challenged Ohio State for a while last season. Could have won it. Let them off the hook a bit. Oregon did, in fact, beat Ohio State. So really my point is, Luke, there have been a few games the past two years specifically where some teams through three quarters kind of had the template in their own way of beating Ohio State, but they didn't pull it off. Luckily for Michigan, they have all this data to accumulate through 11 weeks, right? And that's the good thing about being the last team to face this Buckeyes team. And like Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Hayes today, other people have been saying in the past week that they've been preparing for Ohio State for months now. They've had film study sessions with players every week for months now. So Michigan, each week this year, they've been playing their opponent, but they've also kind of been playing and preparing for Ohio State. And that can only serve them well heading into Saturday at noon. Yeah, I think well, I think that was a, a case this past week that we saw for, for both teams, really, right, that they were probably looking ahead uh, to one another because they know what was going to be at stake here uh, on this Saturday. And, you know, as we kind of set up this matchup, Trevor, uh, you, you take a look at it, uh, SP+, plus, Bill Connolly's SP+, plus, thinks these two teams are incredibly close. Uh, Ohio State, 33.7 rating. Michigan, 30.8 rating. So, ultimately, uh, Michigan and Ohio State uh, separated by less than three points. You know, now the spread says differently. It's it's a big atmosphere. It's going to be tough to go into Columbus and get a win. There's no no question about that. But these are two pretty evenly matched teams, even if they do uh, do it a little differently. And the, the big question is, 
is Ohio State going to match up in the trenches with Michigan like they were unable to do last year? Because ultimately, that is going to be, I know it sounds very simple and oversimplified, really, to look at it this way, but if Michigan wins in the trenches on both sides of the football like they have all year, they win this game. If they don't, they lose. I don't think that 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 is too crazy to say, to be honest. No, it really isn't. And Ohio State, they do look a little more physical on both sides of the ball. But at the same time, I've also seen them get thrown around, like I mentioned, against Northwestern for a while, against a pretty bad Northwestern team this year. Forget the wind element, right? They were getting thrown around. That has nothing to do with wind. Uh, Mozzie Smith, nose tackle, the tackle for Michigan today, talked about physicality, and he said that it only takes them a few plays to really know what's going on and what you either get a three and out or they keep moving the ball. He said basically that uh, they keep, when he pushes them and they keep moving back, he knows we're good. So from Smith's perspective, Michigan's going to find out quickly in the trenches on both sides, whether they're the stronger and tougher team endurance matters and all that. And Michigan overall has seemed to get stronger as games of war on, not getting tired. The opposition is the one who's had their hands on their hips, but this will be the ultimate test for Michigan this season thus far anyway. And uh, I do, I do like their chances. (laughs) Funny story, Jim Harbaugh a little bit ago on the inside Michigan football radio show, told John Jansen the uh, Broyles Award semifinalist list, which goes, the award goes to the best assistant coach in all college football. Harbaugh said that he nominated strength and conditioning coach Ben Herbert, and they had to tell Jim that, no, it has to be a position coach. But the, and Jesse Minner, uh, Michigan's defensive coordinator, is a semifinalist. But what's funny about that is just the appreciation that Harbaugh has in Herbert and what he's been able to instill in these guys in the weight room. It's definitely been a relentless weight room, a relentless attack getting in there, being focused. And it's true that it starts in January. That's not a cliche. They get back from the weight room in January, and the process of being Ohio State starts then. So from guys like Aiden Hutchinson's from a year ago, this Michigan team, they know what it takes they know they need to hit it hard in that weight room. And I think that can only serve them well on Saturday. And the flip side, though, would be that Ohio State's had a whole year of people giving them crap for losing to Michigan. And uh, if that doesn't make you want to do a few more reps every single time out in the weight room, I don't know what would. So Ohio State, yes, they look stronger, but we're going to find out on Saturday if that is indeed the case. Well, here's the thing, man, in the big matchup to watch for, because obviously Michigan wants to throw the football, though we know there's going to be some wrinkles, right? Like, we haven't seen too many flea flickers or end-arounds a, a whole lot. We're, we're going to see quite a few of those coming up on Saturday. But the key thing to watch here is I take a look at it right now, Trevor. Michigan, this season, has not played a single football game in which they average less than four yards per carry, Okay. And actually, they've only had four games in which they averaged less than five yards per carry. Now we go to the Ohio State defense, and on that side, they have allowed just one team. It was Wisconsin 
to average more than four yards a carry in any game this season. That's the biggest matchup in this football game, bar none. I mean, you could you could talk about the the Ohio State offense, how the Michigan secondary you know matches up in that. I totally understand it. What is what is can JJ McCarthy in this passing offense do against this Ohio State defense? None of that is nearly as important than who is going to win in the run game, which is crazy to say in 2022. I understand. I feel like, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm this old school football coach. Oh, you got to run the football. But ultimately, that's what it is, right? That's how Michigan was able to win this game last year. And that's how they're going to have to win the game this year. Yeah, I don't think it's being old school. I think it's just you get to a point of watching football and you understand that uh, it's not all this flashy glittery stuff all the time. And sometimes it just boils down to, well, it doesn't look like they're stopping this. We should keep doing this. And that's kind of what Michigan does running the football. So if they can continue to churn off four yards per carrier more and actually win that matchup uh, in the trenches, then you got to like Michigan's chances of pulling out a win because if you can dictate what you do on offense, the play action pass game sets up for JJ McCarthy, who's been, I don't know the stats this week, but heading into the last week, he was still the best in the nation with uh, yards per attempt on play action. So very good with play action and it'll be a lethal combination. As long as Michigan can run that football well, I expect more play action. I expect more success in the passing game because of it. And I also would expect a couple more pulls if the running backs, whether it's Corum, Edwards, Stokes, whoever's in there, if they're able to have some success with their legs, I think that some edge defenders are going to bite. And instead of being on to McCarthy, who's their man, they're going to leave McCarthy with a lot of green pasture to the outside. So my gut tells me that Michigan early on, I think it's going to be a back and forth in the trenches, but that's where the conditioning comes in. And I think Michigan could end up prevailing in that regard, but it's still the health of Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards loot looms large and there's no denying it or hiding well, from it. And I think Mike Morris as well, right? Because at the end of the day, why was Michigan able to hold, hold uh, Ohio State to 27 last year? And that's because they were able to play the, the two safety shell and they were able to get home with David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson really rushing four a lot of the time. Can Michigan generate a pass rush with four? That is going to be needed in order to get a win again in Columbus on Saturday as well because Michigan's going to have their hands full uh, trying to cover these incredibly talented receivers that Ohio State has. And C.J. Stroud more than capable of getting them the football. Michigan's going to have to be able to pressure him uh, and get him off of his spots and out of rhythm if they want to, to come up with stops that are going to be needed to win this game. So I think a guy like Mike Morris, um, you, you know, Oki is playing a lot better and he's getting a lot more reps in there. I, I think Braden McGregor in what I saw last week uh, looked pretty good rushing the passer as well and uh, Mason Graham has been a menace inside for Michigan here this year as, as just a true freshman so uh, it, it's all going to have to come together on Saturday man but there's there's nothing quite like this rivalry is there Trevor? Uh, there's not and I couldn't agree with you more about the pass rush from Morris obviously would love to have him back on Saturday suited up and playing at a high clip. But I, I would expect that 
I wouldn't be surprised, put it this way. I mean, there was always some pressure packages with Dax Hill. Mike Sanders still has filled that pressure package role that Hill had last year and has had some success rushing the passer. So I would expect seeing Sanders still blitz Stroud a couple times. Would not surprise me to see Michael Barrett blitz Stroud a couple times. And same thing with Junior Colson a couple times. So I do think having a little bit of diversity and some unexpectedness in the blitz packages would be a positive thing, especially if Morris is out. You have to generate it somewhere against Illinois. I got to give Tommy DeVito, their quarterback, a lot of credit. He hung tall in the pocket, good footwork, shifting to where it looked like, oh, this play's breaking down and somebody's going to pick up a sack, and it just didn't happen. And there were other times where the pass rush simply didn't get home, and DeVito had a lot of time to operate and find the open man. So, But that was also against a team with their life on the line, uh, playing their Super Bowl, but this is the Ohio State Super Bowl too, and Michigan Super Bowl, and uh, that's just the way it is. And there it really is, like you said, Lou. Nothing like this rivalry. It's something we hear all season long, as do the players and the coaches on Twitter. I could say something nice about a Michigan player that has nothing to do with Ohio State, and then I get Ohio State fans in my comments saying how this Michigan player sucks. And uh, <laughs> all I do is do what you just did. I just laugh because that's the energy it deserves. And uh, last month, Jim Harbaugh, he was on the Rich Eisen podcast, and he says it happens to him all the time. He'll be out somewhere. It could be a store, a restaurant, wherever, a mall, and he'll hear either a Michigan State fan or Ohio State fan, and it's, you know, go green or – bucks and do you know what harbaugh's response to those guys is luke no but i'd love to hear it never <laughs> never 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 yeah, just like that that's that's how i said it too he goes never <laughs> but uh anyway that's kind of how i feel when uh the ohio state fans some of them it isn't in good jest either i might add but uh i gotta give them love nonetheless because uh, uh well, if we yeah, have yeah. any of them, uh, if we have any of them listening to this show right now, Trevor, where can we find you on on Twitter? There. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I wish we could have them on. They just tell you, Luke, but you can find me <laughs> on Twitter at Woods Football. And uh, yeah, man, can't wait. Oh man, it's going to be a great Saturday. Number two versus number three. It it doesn't. It literally doesn't get any more exciting than this. Uh, Saturday when that you know kind of that opening montage happens. <laughs> Uh, on on the big noon kickoff, uh, as as they show the opening shot of the shoe in Columbus, it's really gonna hit, and it's gonna be a war, man. And, and I'm looking forward to it, Trevor. Really appreciate it uh, once again, my man. Um, as always, and we'll talk with you next week. All right, as uh, as we recap the game, and hopefully, we're talking about Michigan playing for a Big Ten championship in Indianapolis. All right, I can't wait to get out of Columbus live, and hopefully, I'm in Indy the week after. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you next week. And I, of course, want to let you know that support for Brewcast is thanks to Manscaped, where you can join 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by heading to manscaped.com and checking out all that they have to offer. But uh, definitely check out that Platinum Package 4.0, aligning your entire hygiene routine all in one 
swoop inside this amazing 10-part platinum package everything you know and love about the performance package including the lawnmower 4.0 body trimmer and the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer plus some shower goodies included to elevate your grooming game to platinum including in addition to the shaving you can completely upgrade that shower routine with the ultra premium body wash and ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner have that skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh and we are going to give you a discount and some free shipping all you have to do is head to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping insert promo code mnb20 that's mnb20 at manscaped.com wrapping it up for us here on brewcast of the game week trevor woods joining us there you can find me on twitter at luke giardi l-u-k-e-g-h-i-a-r-d-i please subscribe rate and leave a review wherever you get your podcast we've got so much great content coming out here this week we're going to keep you occupied until we get to saturday i promise you that but that's about going to wrap it up for us here on the show this week for my partner trevor woods i'm luke giardi and we'll see you next week on brewcast